have Chief Chad Costa with me. He is currently the Assistant Fire Chief for the City of Petaluma Fire Department. Chief, thanks for joining us. Yeah, right on, Mike. Please give the listeners a introduction to who you are, and we'll get the episode started. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, so essentially, about 25 years of fire service experience here in Northern California. The fire Department of Petaluma is a city department north, about an hour north of San Francisco. Um, my my experiences, you know, promoted to captain at a young age, uh, about 2011, promoted to captain. I think I was 25, 26 years old, uh, about 16 years of experience in the captain, battalion chief, and now assistant chief role. Um, you kind of pride myself on a wide spectrum of experience in cities, worked for some fire districts, worked for Cal Fire uh, State Agency. Um and, and ultimately, so I, the background is not only structural, but wildland, you know, I'm on a CAL FIRE incident management team as an operations branch director, was on a Fed team for multiple years. So so experience, um, that, that's kind of who I am and, and kind of pride myself in being a modern day, you know, servant leader, which is, uh, which is uh, I think, what the fire service needs as we move forward. Sure. So also something we talked about um before we started recording, which is going to lead us into uh, what we're going to get into today is you're an accomplished writer for fire engineering magazine. Um, and one of the articles that stood, stood out that we talked about had to do with um, new firefighters, bringing them in, creating a culture, um, building those foundations. So uh, I want to talk about that article. Um, I think that's something as we talked about before where, you know, it's a hot topic of building up new people and teaching them, um, you know, how the fire service is and, and create that winning culture. So, yeah. you know, explain the article for the, uh, or introduce the article to the listeners. We'll talk about that. We'll get going. And, uh, that's today's topic. Yeah, no, it's a great topic. And I, and I think to be fair to the listeners, you know, organize organizations, geographically size, um, all of that can can sway a little bit of the topic we're talking about and change a little bit your approach to uh, your probationary firefighters, your entry level academy, and really the culture of how you treat and bring in new employees. So what I mean by that is it might be a little bit different in New York City versus the uh, city of Petaluma. Like I recognize that not everything's going to be the same for every organization. That being said, these are some core principles and some things that that I believe in um, and that I've seen work uh, and also not work. So there's a balance with this topic and I'll, I'll explain a little bit more, but essentially uh, in my opinion, the, the super militaristic, you know, break people down, um, make them earn a spot in our family. I, I think that's kind of the topic. And I think that's kind of the area that I think there needs to be some some thought process or maybe re, 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 rethink a little bit about how we're treating people. So, I mean, I've been that probationary firefighter that was, I've never worked for an organization where I was, you know, hazed or treated really poorly, but um, do, do the generations of firefighters that we have coming into to our workforce today, you know, how do we treat them? Are they eating dinner out in the app bay? Um, do they not have any opportunity to really, show us their true colors and to figure out who they are because you know we basically said that you're a nobody until you get through this probationary period and it's always 
I've always scratched my head on that thought process. I'm like, wait a minute. So the probationary period's supposed to be part of it's supposed to be to find out if this person uh, is going to fit in our family for the next 30 plus years. And so how do we figure out if someone's going to fit in our family in the next 30 years if we just don't allow them to speak? We don't allow them to 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 tell us a little bit about who they are and what are their values. Uh, and we just tell them to shut up and make the coffee and and, you know, wash the truck and and train and, you know, sit out in the app. Bay. I, I just have a hard time with that. Um, and I think we need to we need to find a balance in that. I think um, I've seen it where we've swung the pendulum too far the other side where it's too light and it's too loose. And then there can be this kind of like, uh, in my opinion, there can be a little bit of a, a comfort level that that creates issues, uh, especially during your probationary period. So finding that balance is really what the article is about. Um, the article is really about just just bringing people in and making them part of the family so we can get to know them and really figure out if this is a good fit for us for the next, you know, our whole career. Because, you know, I, well, I had a fire chief once tell me uh, we're talking about a, a fire captain that he promoted and he basically said like when he was retiring, he told me, he said it was the worst mistake I ever made. It's been a nightmare. I knew it. I knew it was a mistake. And, and so who we hire and who we promote is, uh, is probably the most important thing for the, the culture and the future of your department. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between challenging them and hazing them. Sure. Um, I, I do think, I mean, you said it pretty good about there being a balance because, but there needs to be a balance. Are there need, it needs to be difficult for them. It doesn't need to be something they just skate by. They need to earn everything that they have. They need to earn it with their actions. Right. Because quite frankly, you know, you could walk in and it's happened in the past. There's people that got killed on their first day in the job. You know, there, you could have a career call the first day on your job. The department I work for who shall remain nameless. They always say those things in the academy. You could walk in the door and your first call could be a career call, which we had somebody do that. He walked in the door and within a few hours, I don't even think it was three hours, they're running first due on the ladder truck to an apartment fire where they made rescues and people are alive today because of that crew's actions and the crews that were on that first alarm. They all absolutely stepped up, knocked it out of the park, and they saved lives. Right. Yeah. But as a guy on your first day, you hear that in the academy and it may or may not happen, but it happened for this guy. And I will say that guy that's a, a, a uh, he's got a few years on now. This has been probably five or six years ago now. Um, that guy's freaking great. He's awesome. Yeah. He, he's a sharp employee. The leadership in his firehouse that he came out of was absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, I think the leadership through that whole battalion is the reason that they had that outcome because those guys are prepared and they're ready to go. But, yeah. But I know those guys are hard on their guys. And this is kind of why you're hard on people, why you need to make people earn things. You know what I mean? So it's just like anything else. You're in the walk stage in the academy or the crawl stage in the academy. You should be in the walk moving into the run stage while you're in the field. So you should come in basically trained, the bare bones basics, and then everything else, you know, we're going to teach you in the firehouse. And part of that, the element of that is being able to um, work under stressful conditions. So, and I don't want to go down a wormhole and I apologize for being long-winded about this. However, um, you know, one of the things that I've seen and, and is a very interesting topic is people say, and I've heard this uh, in my 
personal experiences of making coffee, right? You get the guy or girl or whoever that says, well, I don't drink coffee. I'm not making it. Right. And I heard this, I heard somebody talk about this in my, um, travels, uh, working overtime yeah. person said to me, he's like, you know, I, I don't drink coffee. Why do they make such a big deal about it? And I was like, well, did you ever ask why you have to make coffee? Not like questioning them, be like, Hey, you know, why are you making me do this? And I said to them, I said, look, it's not about the coffee. The point is you have to do something that is not about you, right? You don't drink coffee. That's okay. But yeah. I told you to do something. Go make coffee. I may have even showed you how to do it, how much coffee to put in it, whatever. It doesn't matter. Zero um, stress, zero danger. Not a whole lot of repercussions, even if you do it wrong. Doesn't matter, right? It's simple. Make coffee. Put a put. Drop a pot when you walk in, and that's all I need you to do for the day. And I'm not going to follow up behind you immediately. I'm going to let you do your thing. So if I can't trust you, make a pot of coffee. Three o'clock in the morning. How can I trust you? Throw a ladder. Go through a window without a hose line, knowing you have to vent in a search, knowing you're going to do something at great risk for yourself because you're going to put your life at risk for others whose lives are in risk. And you can't make a cup. You can't make a pot of coffee that has. It's not really going to affect your well-being. Or it's not going to affect your safety, but I now I'm supposed to say, go do X, Y, and Z on this call. That's could be incredibly dangerous. Hey, I need you to follow me through this situation. That could be incredibly dangerous, but you can't yeah. make coffee, you, you yeah. know? So I think, you know, I think maybe it's a culture thing. Younger people just don't understand that there is a big picture, bigger picture to some of those small minor things yeah. um, that they may consider hazing. Yeah. You know, and then you have people that are weak of mind. Um, there's tiny heart syndrome, right? They can't handle kind of being in the spotlight. They can't handle having the stress of kind of having their, their chops busted. Again, it goes down to building trust, you know? Yeah. We think, we think about that. No, I, I think we're speaking the same language. I think that that's why I just didn't want the, you know, I don't want the listeners to, to say that I don't think being hard on people or, sure. or, you know, having structure and probation is, is not important. I, I do. And I, sure. I, I think your coffee analogy is, it, you can probably expand on that a little bit more. It's like, Hey, you know, it, it, if you don't drink coffee, it's like, well, we're a family and we're a team and we do a lot of things in the firehouse that, that we don't like to do or don't want to do, but we do it because it, it's, it's what's best for the team. And, and so by you making coffee, um, you know, it, it shows that you care about the people you work with and that it also shows that you can get up at a certain time in the morning and have a task done. Um, so it's kind of like the what people say, like, oh, my, you know, my bachelor's degree, uh, what does that have to do with the fire service? And it's like, well, it, it's not just about the content of the bachelor's degree. It's about the ability to. To, or any degree, the ability to stay on task, to get job, you know, things done by a certain time frame, to follow direction, to be able to read and comprehend, um, you know, all of those things are important. So, so I, I agree, and I, I, I think what what my point is is that, like, really, what my point is is that when people um, feel like they're a part of the family, and that includes being held accountable, that includes being 
um, you know, hammered if you, if you do something wrong. That, that includes, you know, discipline. That includes getting this, you know, the parents spanking you on the, on the, on the butt when you do something wrong. That all, that all is inclusive of that, of, of being a part of that family. I just, I just hear and I've seen and I, and I'm like, I, I just don't get the, the taking it to the too far to the other end of the spectrum. I, I don't get the like beating people down when they don't deserve to be beat down. Like if you got a good probie and if I have a good probie and I have a, a stellar employee that's trying hard and, and even if they're making mistakes, but they're listening, they're trying to improve. Like I absolutely uh, treat that person differently than someone that's telling me I don't fucking make coffee because because I don't drink coffee. Like, well, that person deserves uh, to have that talk, you know, in the office about expectations and, and, and the why. And hopefully they change their attitude. And hopefully what you told them worked, because if you didn't, I'd have some significant sure. concerns about that individual. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, I guess it's more so of like a uh, indoctrination phase, right? So while you're while you were talking, I wrote a couple of things down. Um, and I think the indoctrination is going to have, you know, the academy classroom instruction, hands-on stuff. Um, they're going to cover various things of, you know, fire behavior, rescues, um, all the EMS stuff and all that. But, you know, firefighters, especially when they're new in the department, need to learn about, uh, values, traditions, uh, the organizational culture of the fire service and your department, um, you know, you're going to be exposed to rigorous condition, physical conditions. You need to enhance your ability to do that. And I think part of enhancing your ability to do that is enhancement of the mind and knowing the culture and knowing how to read the room and understanding how to, um, be a part of the team, to be a part of the, you know, a well-oiled machine. Everyone's part of the team. You trade your weakest link and not saying someone that's new is the weakest link. However, if you're not experienced, you've never done these skills, you know, it's going to take time doing your craft to get better at it. So you're going to have to, I don't want to say have your hand held, but you know, when I was new, there's a few things when I, the first time I cut a roof, I've never done it before. My officer was like right there. He wasn't really physically holding my hand, but he had his hand on the saw. Hey man, pull it towards you that, you know, Hey, we're going to do this roof cut, you know, all that stuff and walk me through it. And he was right there with me, you know, had his hand on my back, kind of supporting me like a good backup person does when you're cutting a roof. Hey man, you got it. All right, cool. Knock it in. Let's get off the roof. And it was great. You know, it, it you have to enhance your ability to be resilient. And, you know, what I've learned is the goal of indoctrination is to, you, you need to install, instill a uh, deep sense of commitment, discipline, professionalism within the, the rookies, right? And you need to do that in the firehouse. You do that by leading by example as the officer. Your crew comes together and shows him what crew continuity is through their actions, things that he sees, your culture that you build. And you're, you're going to be fully prepared to uphold your responsibilities as a team and, um, you know, be dedicated, be courageous, and, and you know, figure out where you fall into place. Um on your team or your yeah. crew, I mean, excuse me. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I think when you, you know, in this article, I'm looking at some of the, you know, some of the, the highlights of, of what I put in there. And one of the things I think it's important to, for the listeners to hear and talk about a little bit is um, we do focus a lot on formal leadership. When we talk about, Oh, I'm a company officer. I'm a captain, Lieutenant, whatever battalion chief. Um, I, 
I have some pushback on on some of the some of the philosophies out there in the sense of I, I actually believe that there's there's more power in the informal leadership of your organization. I actually believe that when we're talking about um, this topic specifically, you know, you can it's easy to focus on the instructors and the captains and the battalion chiefs, but but the reality is is that the exposure of these probationary people is really more with the informal leadership of your organization. What I mean by that is that the firefighters at the station, the, the ambulance crew, the engineer, um, maybe the non-formal or standardized leadership positions of our management positions. And so, so when you talk about culture of your organization and how you treat people as a company officer, you know, you set the standard, right? And yes, you, you lead by example, you set the standard, you set expectations. Um, and you absolutely can influence the culture of your company and, and your organization. But uh, I've also seen the informal leaders of the organization influence in positive and negative ways as well. So so no matter if you're, I guess my point is, no matter if you're a captain or not, or, or BC or an engineer, it really doesn't matter. Take the badge off and just look at things a little bit differently as to, is a human being over there and, and 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 that's someone that wants to be part of our family they deserve to be here because they went through the testing process and the, and they were selected so so i just feel like there's um there's an important piece that we miss if we don't bring them in and treat them as part of our family and we don't at least um get to know them and get to know about who they really are and and what, what the worst thing that I've seen this happen over and over and over, you have an employee who's been in your department for 12 months, 18 months, however long your probation is, two years, I don't know, everybody's different. And they get into that probation and a month later, someone's bitching at the table about, this guy's a slug or this guy's a whatever, this gal, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And I asked the question like, where the hell would this come up with in the last 18 months? Why is there nothing written in any of the evals or any of the things that all this documentation that I have of this individual? And, you know, a lot of it is because that person wasn't allowed to. They didn't create a space or an environment where they could really get to understand somebody. And if somebody does truly like fake it and change, um, you know, you can't have that's something you got to address from that point forward. But I do. I do question sometimes, like, well, did you create an environment and a space where you could actually see what this person really was about, whether it's good or bad? Uh, and that's why I think this is an important topic that we really, we really not necessarily change, but we at least take a moment to reevaluate how we're treating people and uh, how we're making them feel in our space so that we can actually get to know them and get the best out of them. Yeah. You know, you brought up a really good point about informal leadership and um, formal leadership and formal leadership, formal leaders. They're usually going to have a title, right? They're always going to be able to um, have the authority to make your decisions, delegate tasks, guide the activities. You know, they're going to give you those direct orders of exactly what you need. So they're, they're put in place by the department or organization or not organization department or um, company, you know, the company level. Yeah. Um, you know, on the other hand, um, informal leadership is typically something that happens organically, I think. Yep. I think people are going to typically, um, they're going to step up. They're going to, um, they're going to influence others. They're going to uh, inspire others. They should be, they should be contributing to the 
effects dynamics or the effectiveness and dynamics of the crew. Um, typically they're trusted. They're guys that have a lot of time on, they've proven themselves and, um, they get recognized for their, uh, experience, uh, interpersonal skill, interpersonal skills and experience, um, on calls. Um, I think using both styles to leverage, um, leverage each side of the leadership uh, coin for overall success is something that is an art form. And I think, um, you know, when you bring people in, you have, you know, the firefighters that kind of break them in and they kind of, uh, they show them the ropes, kind of all that stuff. And typically the officers should not really be involved. Um, you know, you're there to introduce, you know, you're there to lead the overall success, but the fine minor things like that, they learn at the firefighter level. Um, to me, just like discipline, things should be handled at the lowest level. So, you know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put my kind of put my hands on things, but I'm going to step back and I'm gonna let the guys be the guys and let them show the firefighters how, how to do different skills. I may add a couple of things in. These are my expectations when you're doing this skill. Um, you know, typically the firefighters, Hey, you know, the officer needs this done. They need that done. This is what the officer's doing while we're doing this. You know, these are the standards you have to meet. Then typically the officer in my, what I've been doing is I'll do the testing. You know, but I think giving giving the firefighters the opportunity to bring up those guys and new probationary firefighters and teach them things and all that can give them a sense of pride that they're entrusted to now teach these guys because they've all been there. Well, we all have been in the new guy's shoes and now we get to go back and be, you know, the firefighters we always wanted on that informal level. Formally, as you talked about before as well, doesn't always go that way. And you have to know when to be able to hold people accountable. You have to know when to be able to make them aware that they're not meeting those minimum standards and document um, effectively. Because what you don't want is to get to the end of a nine-month probation and this person is a complete mess and you don't have anything documented from beforehand. So one of the things – like, you know what I mean? So one of the things that I learned uh, kind of the hard way – was, um, I mean, I don't know how other departments do things. Our department has an actual process for documenting things, right? So um, they're called PAFs, uh, Performance Appraisal Form. And yeah. you can do that for anything. It, you know, it's not always bad. It's, you can, somebody could do something really, really good. You write that paper up and you put that in their yearly evaluation. And it's a document. It's an official document. So yeah. as you see all these different things going on, these drills, all these different tasks being done, you know, Dave, the rookie, Hey man, you know, you just two or three sentences, write it up. They don't have to see it or you could show them, Hey man, you knocked it out of the park this time. This was really, really good. You write them up a little paper, you show them, you let them sign it, you save it. And then on the flip side, Hey man, you you didn't meet the mark this time and this is not acceptable. And then you have the ability to say, here's your paper. We're going to document this or, Hey, look, we kind of need to uh, come back to center on this. We're going to do some more training. We're going to get you where you need to be. Because they're not going to be perfect with everything every single time, right? It's just yeah. not how it works. You know, I mean, they could come in with some experience and have knowledge, but, you know, you have your standards and the departmental standards that all kind of intermingle. And I think when you have that informal leadership and, that, and then the actual formal leadership, formal leadership of the officer, when those things are in sync, you're going to create that winning culture. You, you know, sure. and, the, and the other thing too is, you're going to create the accountability. Like, I don't know if you've ever had this, but I've had 
the old come to Jesus of get your head out your ass talk. And it wasn't dropping papers. It was nothing like that. It was, yo, dude, this is unacceptable. You know better. I know you know better. These are all the times that we've done this stuff that you've done really, really good. And yeah. today it's, tr- it's terrible. Get your head out your ass, work your ass off. Let's pick it up. And that, that motivated me so, so much. So that feeling of knowing people expect more of you after you've start to establish yourself as a rookie or as a new firefighter in the company, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to make you, it's going to make you work harder. And the reason why I'm saying all this, and and I know I've been a little long winded, but the point that I'm making is old dad's in the office. Dad's the officer. You don't want to piss him off. Right. How many, have you ever had somebody come out and you're just waiting, just waiting for to get an absolute ass chewing. And then, you know what? I'm not mad at you. I'm disappointed. Yeah. You're better than this. And I know you know you're better than this. And it's like, oh God. And you feel like you're two feet tall. Yeah. But that's a culture that you cr- or a um, environment that you create. And in my experiences, when you have those environments created from strong foundations, accountability, training, and high expectations, I, th- I think that's where you create um, strong rookies. You know, you, you push those, those, they learn those things and they have that as their foundation and they move forward. And it's a very successful yeah. uh, environment. Yeah, it's weird. Um, you know, you rarely see what you're talking about uh, department wide. What you normally see is that to be on a, bata- a platoon or in a battalion or in a station or on a shift. I mean, sure. it, it, it's, it's crazy how when you look across your organization, you see so different so many different levels of, of success with what we're talking about today. And it all ties, I think you're right. It all ties right back into the people. It ties right back into the respect level of the individuals and what they've, you know, what they've earned over the years. Um, so what's critical, I think a couple points I jotted down when you were talking were sure. um, formal leaders. Okay. Captains, giant chiefs, whatever. And I say leaders, they're really managers. You don't really, you're not, it's, it's wrong to call him a leader. I, I think leadership's earned, but um, we, we promote people into positions because of whatever reason they took a test or however, however your process is. Um, but we promote people into positions that aren't good, that aren't good at their position, that aren't good at leadership, that aren't good at management, that aren't good at um, mentorship, you know, whatever the trade is. It, the, or, and that's why pivoting off that, that's why I think the informal leadership is so much more powerful because it always is good at whatever the topic is. The reason they become an informal leader in this situation or this topic that we're talking about is because you have earned that respect. You have put in the work. It doesn't have anything to, it does not at all tied to a test. It's not at all tied to an interview. It's not at all tied to you know, 20 minutes of fame where you sold yourself to somebody and they, you know, they chose you. It's, it's organic, like you said, and it just happens. So, so yes, when you combine the informal and the formal leadership and they're on the same page and they're working in cohesion of each other, you're going to have the most success. Uh, I just think it's, it's, it's so tied to the people that it becomes, um, the challenge becomes how do we change this overall culture in the organization when we have so many different levels of people that are thinking differently or have different levels of respect. So 
uh, for those listening, like I say this to people, I, I've said this to so many people. Um, I don't can't tell you how many people I've talked to that are like, oh, I really want to be a captain. Oh, really? Cool. Um, and the problem is, is that people think that just getting the badge or just getting promoted is going to get them whatever satisfaction they're looking for, whether it's whether it's more money, whether it's to to be uh, have more power in the organization to be able to to affect change. You know, there's maybe you have a shitty boss. So you're like, I just, I'm tired of working for these people. Everybody's got a different reason. I, I want off the ambulance. I, I don't know. My point is, is um, it, it's easy to get the badge. It is like, I know some people out there are like, no, it's not. Well, in reality it is. You've got to go take some fucking classes. You need to be on the, you know, uh, in the job for a certain amount of time or in a position um, you, you got to go sit in an interview or take a test, all that you can improve, all that you can work on, all that you can pay somebody if you want to, 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 to make you better at. It's relatively easy. What's not easy is earning the respect in the organization. So tying this back to our topic today is it behooves everyone to start earning that respect day fucking one of the academy. Um, start thinking about Start thinking about your legacy in the organization, your informal and formal leadership, and start stop thinking about just today. Think about the future. And those people that start then, start at the beginning of earning that respect by hard work, by res, you know respecting, not saying something stupid like, I don't drink coffee. Um, those people are the ones that are going to either become the f- informal leaders or the formal leaders in the organization. Those people are the ones that are going to have the effect. And uh, just because you get a badge doesn't mean shit. I, can t- I can't tell you how many people I know that got promoted to positions and are fucking miserable because they never earn the respect of the people before ever getting that badge. So they get it and the people are like, yeah, you're the chief or you're the captain. That's great. High five. Give me, you know, thumbs up, knuckle punch. But, um, but I don't respect anything that you have to say and I'm just going to give you the minimum and basically screw off. And is that what you want? I mean, is that what you want? You wanted the, to, to be a leader that nobody talks to and nobody calls in your day off and nobody reaches out to for for input? I don't know. So I know we're getting a little bit off topic, but the point is, is it's um, relevant. Yeah, you got to You got to earn that respect no matter what informal or formal. What I really like about the informal side of things is is um, is it's not it's not a test. It's not a. Who can bullshit the most for 30 minutes? It's literally, it's it's almost like earned, you know, yeah. it, it earned to, to have it. And uh, yeah. I think it does affect, it, it has a huge effect in your company. You, you can be a badass captain as a ton of respect. And if you got, you got other people on your crew that are, you know, don't give a shit about the job and are there for paydays and four days and just want to ride around and have the shirt and the sticker, man, that can be a really difficult position for you to be in. So that's, that's yeah. Kind of- you know, and that's, it's actually very interesting the way you said it. So I got a few things for that. I, I do think uh, informal leadership always has a test and informal leadership, you're tested every day, every call, every word out of your mouth, right? Sure. Um, over time, just like trust, you don't rush it, right? Trust will come in time. Chemistry comes in time. Don't rush it. It's a continuous everyday um um, payment that you have to, you have to make, right. Um, you have to do that through your actions, um, your words, 
everything. Everything counts and you're continuously always being evaluated, whether you like it or not. And, you know, I think informally over time, it gets stronger and stronger, but formally you're tested every day, you're seen every day and you're, you're the end result or not the end result. You're the, you're the one of the rungs in the ladder. So the unique thing about the fire department, and at least in my experience is, you know, as a rookie walking in day one, you can see your future right in front of you, right? You know, the officers that don't get respected, you know, the firefighters that don't get respect, you know exactly why they don't get respected because you're going to hear it from the other guys when they're talking. So if you're like, Hey, Bill, the Lieutenant, I hear all these things about him. I'm not going to do what Bill did because John over there, the captain, everybody likes him. These are all the reasons that they liked him. They liked him when he was a firefighter because of this. He was a technician here. He was great because of that. He was a lieutenant over there because, and he was awesome because of that. You can really walk your own path and you have every path handed in front of you, just literally dangling in front of your face. And I don't know if this is something you've experienced, but you can be a terrible officer with a absolute rock star crew and they can make you look really good. Yeah, And then that's not the challenge. The challenge is when you're a proficient officer and you have a crew that's not that great, can you right. build them up? They're not all stars. They're not bad people. Maybe they just need leadership. Maybe this guy's not a bad rookie. He's not lazy. He just might not know any better. Right. He's stepping up to fix it. Is it the officer? Hopefully. Ultimately, because you're responsible for it. The rookies, typically what I've noticed for the most part, and I mean, you can't predict every situation. You can't, you know, continuously um, read everyone's mind. But in my experience, they're just like anyone else. They want you to teach them things, but they don't know how to ask those questions. They don't know what they don't know. You know what I mean? And, and if you walk in, you treat them with respect and you're hard on them, you're, you, you're very, very, very clear of your expectations. Your expectations align with the minimum standards of the department because you want, you want to have the minimum standards. You explain the minimum standards because that's the level of accountability that they're held to. And then you explain to them, we're going to exceed these standards. And these are why we're going to exceed these standards. So I think when you come in strong like that, strong, firm, and fair, you treat them like adults right? You're going to, they're, you're going to get buy-in from that. You are. Um, and then when they don't, they don't have buy-in, you know, cause again, there's two sides to every coin. You're going to have people that come in with bad attitudes, think they know everything. They're not going to listen to a damn thing you have to say. And then they're just, you didn't need to just, um, put them in their place and, and hold them accountable. And when they don't, you need to, um, go down that path of separation or down that path of, um, accountability for not meeting the standards. Um, it's a hard path as an officer to say you want to hold somebody. My standards are higher than the minimum standards of the department because unfortunately, administratively, that's that's not how that works. And that will give them, you know, that bad rookie or that that slug uh, probationary firefighter. They'll give them um, the upper hand. Right. And, uh, you know, you always want to put yourself in a winning environment, especially as an officer, regardless of whatever position, personal um, personnel issues you have. Uh, but. You know, if you come in and you teach them those things, like I said, they can see their future in any, in any path, the, 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 the dirtbag firefighter, the, the awesome officer, the, the mediocre firefighter, you, they, you can see all those things, you know, as a rookie and, and, and our goal as officers and informal leaders and formal leaders is to steer them to the right path. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I mean, ultimately like as a, 
you're never, you know, there, no matter how hard you try on, you know, you're going to, you're going to have failures. You know, you're going to have people that you're going to have to let go on probation. You're going to have pe people that you're going to have to fire. That's just a reality. Um, sure. But, but uh, you got to be able to ask yourself, I think when you look in the mirror, um, did I give this person every opportunity to be successful? And this is truly who this person is. Um, and, and, and if you can look yourself in the mirror and, and be like, yeah, you know what, we, we did give them every opportunity we could. We, you know, exhausted ourselves trying to set a positive example and set expectations. We've shown them multiple times what the expectations are. Um, if you're leading by example, if you're, if you can really wake up, well, go to sleep at night and feel good about it, then then yeah, you need to you need to break ties. You need to get rid of people. I, I personally don't think that there's a lot of I think there's a lot of departments out there that underutilize the probationary process. Um, it's, just a, it's just a matter of you know making sure that we're not terminating somebody for something that uh, wasn't easily fixable by by maybe an adjustment on on our on our part. Um, but yeah, setting a good example to celebrating success of your employees, making them feel like they're part of the family, um, holding them accountable when they're not talking about the why that we're doing something. And ultimately um, those are the things that, that generally, you know, generally lead yourself to success. But if we just bring somebody in and we just say, Hey man, um, here's the deal. Like our expectations are that, that you're, you know, keep your mouth shut and your eyes open and your ears open and you don't say anything that you just hut hut around here. You eat in the app bay, you know, don't talk to us. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I just have a hard time with that thought process and, and, and don't really understand how, how we really get to know these people and how we really get to know them as a human being and someone that's going to live in our house with us for our whole career. I, some hard, hard time understanding, but you got to find the balance for sure. And, you know, I think the other thing about it too, is regardless if somebody's a rookie or not human nature, you give respect yeah. to get respect. Respect sure. is earned. So yeah. if you think somebody, you know, I was taught you eat with your back to the TV, you don't yeah. go in the TV room um, while you're on probation when you're done with probation, you can go and uh, go into the TV room after you yeah. know, three o'clock or whatever, or use a good timeline to go in there. Don't go in there during the day, you know, seven to three or business hours after three o'clock, go to the TV room on downtime. But when you structure it to where it's, you know, it advances, right? So back to the TV, cause you're a rookie, you're doing watch, you're doing the book, you're doing this, you're doing that. Somebody, typically the officer, which is kind of how I did things, you know, hey, man, um, doing the book a lot, doing the book every single day. What do you, what do you think about that? Oh, well, yeah, that seems like I'm always doing it. Uh, I don't know. Well, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. Everyone's yeah. responsible for the book. It's going to rotate. However, you as a rookie, if you've never done this before, you're doing it every single day in time. You're going to be really good at it. You're going to know it inside and out. You're going to be efficient at it. And that way you go somewhere else. You move along in your career. Hey, Billy, go do the book. You're going to know exactly how to do the book. You're going to know the basics and you'll be able to um, 
adapt them to the situation at hand. You know, station three's book might be different than station two's. Oh, what's the difference? Oh, it's this. All right, I'll do the book the way I know how, and I'm going to add their little nuance, right? Weird, weird, uh, maybe it's a, that's a weird example, but it's those things. It's those, um, off the call basics you have to know in the firehouse to be effective and dependable and showing people can rely on you that you learn by doing them all the time on probation. You know, I, I don't really care if you know how to swing a mop. It's the fact that you don't know how to do a skill that has no relevance as far as big picture wise. Um, and you can do it and I could tell you to do it and you do it right. Or, Hey, I don't know how to do this. All right, let me show you. Like I learned how to cook in a firehouse. I didn't know how to cook when I got hired. It's like 20 years old. I don't know what the heck I was doing, but they taught me overall picture was out of your comfort zone. You're being told what to do. You're accepting help. You're admitting you don't know how to do it. You're being humble. You're learning it. Then you're doing it on your own. It's all important. It's all relevant because those things, my experience or my personal opinion is that can add that missing link you may not have, uh, which is life experience. You're getting life experience in the firehouse culture that you can't learn until you're in a firehouse. Yeah. So those things are incredibly important. However, I mean, you've been in, you've got 25 years of total time in the fire service. I've never seen a book teaching about culture in a firehouse. People talk about it. People use it as buzzwords and firehouse this and you know, firehouse culture, this, and all those things on Instagram, social medias, but it, where, where's, where's the formal book that shows you chapters one through 10 through right. a page textbook. They don't because it's yeah. a culture. It's, it's a, a, yeah, it's a culture that is all in its own that you have to learn and you can't do it or you can't learn it until you do it. You know yeah, what I mean? It's also very, you know, it just changes what, from one person to the next. I mean, ultimately your department has an overall culture. Absolutely. But how that culture is carried out is different in every individual in your organization. Um, You know, we have, I I think our organization has a decent culture. I'm proud of, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of our, the service we provide and, and the, the pride in the organization. I'm proud of that. But there are some people that are, whether informal or formal leaders are pillars of that and are just like I'd put them on the plaque at the front and there's some people at the back you know dragging anchor and 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 not doing really not doing any of it so so culture is hard to to put a finger on when people say like well what's the you know what's the culture of your organization it's like well it depends on the shift and depends on the station there is some differences uh, depending on the leadership and the informal leadership of the organization, really the the values of the individuals. That being said, um, the overall culture of the organization, it's hard to write a book on because uh, ultimately it's so different. Um, I mean, w- the fire service has so many similarities, but there's differences. There's so many differences, whether you're a city or a district or you're on the East Coast, the West Coast, the, you know, the Midwest, there's, there's differences. I just think ultimately when we get back to why are we here, you know, the love and the passion to serve, the love and the passion to, to be a part of a second family, um, the, the brothers and sisters that work beside us. We get back to that culture of taking care of each other 
we get back to the culture of um, being the best we can be for those that call for for help um, and just be really proud and have a lot of pride in ourselves and this job and the patch that we wear. Uh, we just get back to that and be focused more on that and doing more things like you're talking. The, re the reason you're talking to this, per you're sitting down and you're explaining to this person the whys of doing the book, you know, like that's super important. That's powerful versus the individual that's like, hey, dumbass, you know, your job is to go do the book. Why didn't you get it done? Um, or, or shut up and don't talk to me about this. Get back in there and do it like that. That's very powerful. Taking that time to explain the why and explain to somebody the importance of it so that they can hopefully take that informal leadership that that they now have and, and pass it on to others in the organization. Yeah, I think I think when you teach the culture and the pride, it's also something you can't do without physically um, <laughs> experiencing it, right? Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're, you're chuckling. <laughs> no, I'm chuckling because I'm like, I can't tell you how many times I've had this discussion with people yeah. where they're like pissed off at somebody because yep. they don't, they didn't, this guy sucks, man. And they're like, they sit in the chair all the time and they're lazy. And then I'm like, wow, damn, you're pretty fucking lazy yourself too. Like, holy shit, dude. Like you sit, you know, you're uh you, you don't really do a whole lot either. So like, no wonder they don't do, you know, how do you, it, it's just funny to me. Yeah. It's funny to me how we have this, this, like a lot of times we, we throw shade on people, but we forget to throw sh what stones at glass houses. <laughs> yeah. It, my favorite part is too, like, and, I, and I've seen this, I've actually kind of been guilty of it. Whereas yeah, like, man, no, that, guy, that guy sucks. Yeah. It's like, well, what have you done to fix that? Yeah. Or, well, wait a minute. Why does he suck? It does right. he suck because his his environment is terrible. I mean, you're a product of your environment, right? You, you know what I mean. And there's only so many times before good people get beat down so much before they stop trying. And 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 there's so many times where, you know, you have guys that are not that great, and then you surround them with really good people, and then all of a sudden they start getting really really good. Or, what I my personal experience is, you have a great group with a bad leader. And yeah. everyone suffers. Or you have a bad group that gets a good leader, motivates them, pushes them, holds them accountable. And now all of a sudden everybody gets gets really, really good. You know, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of guys where they're like, oh, he's good for trouble employees. He's good for rookies that are not doing so great. And then you start hearing these stories of, well, wait a minute, that rookie left this crew, went over there, and now he's doing fantastic. He's a model yep. employee. It's your product of your environment. So if you know, you're know you not a great runner and you go run with guys that run marathons, you're not going to probably be a marathon runner immediately or at all. But your time will go up. You will run, start running faster. You For know, sure. at, at the end of the day, just like anything else, none of this is ever a destination. This is a journey without an actual hard ending, right? right. Leadership is a journey. Leadership is not a destination. You should want to work towards being a leader before you take the test. You should lead or you should not promote um, just to be a leader. You should be um, working on that well beforehand. Yep. You know, I, I think the analogy where it says, I remember who said this. I think it might have been Steve Harvey. But anyway, you know, you throw some 
fleas out and they jump super duper high. You put the fleas in a jar, put a top on it. They're only going to jump to the top of that jar, right? We'll take the lid off. They're not going right. to jump any higher anymore because they're in the culture thinking they can't go any higher. They, have, they think the lid's there, you know? Um, so ultimately at the end of the day, you're always going to be a product of your environment. And, and I think you can agree to this. And I think this is kind of the overall um, message of this, this episode is even though that they're rookies, you still have to create the winning environment, create a clear path to victory, clear path to proficiency, clear path to being a good employee to them, right? Teach them, you know, show them, you teach them, have them teach you, constantly evaluate them, constantly hold them accountable and make sure they know you're accountable to them as well. You know, you, you said something to the effect of servant leadership earlier, and I think that's something incredibly important. Um, I'm a big fan of supportive leadership, not so much servile. Uh, but I do think servant leadership's ideology is, is incredibly important. I just wish it could be tweaked a little bit more to, you know, for leaders not to think they continuously owe, right? You, you're you not there to owe. You're there to um, uphold your end of the deal. Yeah. You're there to be reliable. You're there to be um, sharp. And you're there to be 100%, 100% of the time because that's your job as the officer. So, you know, mincing of words – but either way, great yeah. ideology. And I think, you know, probationary firefighters and firefighters in general, and, and I say this a lot on my show, is it's just like having kids. They're going to see absolutely everything you do. You have the ability to raise them right, or you have the ability to be complacent, and there's no one to blame for their outcome besides you. Yeah. So um, we're, we're hitting right on that timeline. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you wanted to cover before uh, before we wrap this up? Anyone you want to say hi to or anything we could have missed that you wanted to touch on? No, I mean, I, I think this is a great topic and I think, you know, some good points. I think ultimately um, the reality is that most of our departments have, you know, 10 percenters or those people that are that are you know, the tip of the spear as if uh, no pun intended, but <laughs> the people that are really really invested in the organization, really invested in themselves and the people that work with them or for them or around them. And, um, you know, this topic is, is about, you know, how we bring people into our, into our family and how do we get the best out of them? How do we make them the most successful we can be? And I, I, I just am a huge proponent of, of, of adjusting how we do that and, 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 and rethinking that process um, and making sure we are getting the best and providing the, that environment for them to be successful. And, um, no, I mean, that's, that's it. I, I appreciate, you know, the opportunity to talk about it. And I think it should be talked about more and organizations should really, um, really, you know, self-reflect on, on what, what we're doing for, for our people, because they are our most important, uh, the aspect of the department and uh, when that culture is, is good. And when you have a well-oiled machine, like you talked about, um, I think the service to the public increases your recruitment and retention increases. And overall, you just, you're a better, you're a better fire department. So, uh, so thanks for your time, Mike. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you for yours. And, you know, I want to touch a little bit on what you said too. We have to invest in our future, right? Good departments, 10% of the people are probably doing most of the work. Great departments, they expand on that and they get more buy-in and more culture or more success. 
Um, Morale is incredibly important. Morale starts at the top, but has an effect on everyone. Um, And just like anything else, and and, and I know you know this, um, a pot of water boils from the bottom, right? Right. The fire department at its most basic organic level will be a firefighter riding a fire engine, pulling a hand line, putting out a fire, Mm. helping grandma on the medic local, right? So we'll call those routine calls at the most basic level and it's organic or the most organic level. That's what we are. Everything, everyone else, every office, every other position is support of that basic firefighter doing the basic work, right? What I'm getting at is water boils from the bottom. So we have to invest in the lowest level. And I'm not saying lowest level, like least important. I'm saying lowest level as in our most basic level. Um, so the more we invest in that, just like a pot boils at the very bottom, the bubbles get bigger and you start seeing the effect on the top. Does that make sense? So we have to invest in our people. We have to invest in ourselves. We have to take care of each other. Um, and I think when people understand in their department, what the why is, why we're doing things, what our mission is and, um, what level we have to execute that mission. I think that's where you build that morale. Um, I'm think, I'm sure every one of us has been in an apartment where morale is terrible. Just start looking around and you can see its effects. Yeah. And we've also been in crews that are awesome with great morale in a department with not so great morale. And you can see the difference. We've all been there where there's been great morale. The apartments ran great. Everything's nice, well-oiled machine top to bottom. So ultimately at the end of the day, what I'm getting at here is it all starts at the bottom. Um, it, it starts with the basic level us as officers, our job is to take care of them. Our job is to lead them. Our job is to filter the crap from the top, bring up good stuff from the bottom, be that middle man, teach the future leaders, empower them, motivate them, support them. And and most of all, you got to care about them. And, And I think, um, in time, you know, if we do our jobs as, as leaders, and I'm not saying officers, I'm saying leaders. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that will create a good culture, a winning culture, a successful culture and, and, and um, improve morale. So you also, as, as we said before, you're an accomplished writer for uh, fire engineering mag firehouse magazine or was it fire engineering? Yeah. I've got articles in engineering fire rescue one. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to add the link for uh, the article we talked about today in the show. Um, if people wanted to get a hold of you on Instagram, Facebook, anything like that, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, Facebook is, um, I have assistant chief Chad Costa. They can just you, there, you can get to that and just send me an email or, or whatever, but Facebook's the easiest way to connect. Okay. So we'll add links to everything below. Um, you know, chief, thank you. Yeah. Um, stand by while I close this out. Don't go anywhere. Guys, girls, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. This was a great episode. I really enjoyed this. Um, there's a lot of good information here. And, and you know, culture, society, and, and life in general has been pretty tough. Um, you know, we're going through unprecedented times. And you know what? We're going to get through it. So I hope you all enjoyed this show. I think there's a lot of very important things um, covered. So before we go, leave us a review. Five stars is our favorite. It helps us grow the show and helps us grow this culture. Everybody, thank you for listening. Tip of the Spear Leadership. Be present. Be yourself. Be unstoppable. 
Thanks, guys, and you have a great day.